Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here we go with the best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hopefully you are having a wonderful Tuesday. I am Dan Day. Not to be confused with any of the days of the week. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. Got some day spa stuff in there and all types of other cool things. Got some cool stuff to get to in just a few minutes from the Joe Rose Show. They're talking with my man, Omar Kelly, about the Dolphins and how they had a bad win. Okay. Dan Lebitard Show. They're always making you laugh. Checking in with Greg Cody about the Dolphins win. Then Stephen A. Smith, Monday Night Football. He's saying the Giants and the Jets, they are done fire the coaches. We are not done with headlines. We are just getting them started right here, right now. The Canes tip off their basketball season tonight at 6.30 from the Watsco Center against number 5 Louisville. Pre-game starts here on 560 to Joe at 6. Other college basketball games tonight feature number 3 ranked Kansas versus number 4 Duke. At 7, then it's a 1-2 matchup between Michigan State and Kentucky at 9.30. Coming off the Jets win, Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick is nominated for the FedEx Air Player of the Week. Miami plays the Colts Sunday at 4. The 5-1 Heat are back in action tonight against the Nuggets in Denver. Tip is at 9. The Panthers look to continue their winning ways when they take on the Capitals at the BB&T Thursday at 7. Bubba Bolden suffered an ankle injury while celebrating a play during the Canes' win over FSU Saturday. He will be out for the rest of the season. Miami plays Louisville Saturday, 3.30 at Hard Rock Stadium. Former Kane Kellen Winslow Jr. has pled guilty to rape and sexual battery. The plea deal allows him to avoid life in prison. He does face 12 to 18 years behind bars and will be sentenced in February. Champions League soccer continues today with FC Barcelona taking on Slavia Prague. Chelsea versus Ajax. Liverpool clashes with Gink. Then Inter Milan will face Borussia Dortmund. And now, oh yeah, let's take a step into the day spa. A Hong Kong company has introduced a gold toilet featuring a bulletproof glass seat with over 40,000 diamonds embedded in it. Now, that is some pooping pleasure. A man in Wisconsin recently played pinball for 32 hours straight, breaking the record for most consecutive hours playing pinball. I'm sure the ladies are beating his door down. Now on the weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast, cloudy with temperatures around 80. Win a brand new $45,000 Mercedes-Benz at Hylia Park Casino. Get free entries every Saturday and earn more entries, plane slots, every day now through November 30th. Grand prize giveaway, Saturday, November 30th. Joe Rose Show. Joe Rose played for Miami. Omar Kelly, he covers the Miami Dolphins. They looked into the team. Like, what did they look into? Real simple, Mark Walton's suspension, Preston Williams' ceiling, the quote-unquote costly win over Gase and the Jets, Josh Rosen's future, 
trading for Tua. Draft picks don't matter, and Joe calls Omar crazy. Dolphins got some bad news yesterday, but I guess for some people, probably happy. You don't want to see anybody get injured, but Preston Williams, ACL, out for the rest of the year. But what I don't get, why did the league wait so long? Mark Walton, Mm -hmm. starting running back, gets suspended. Why wasn't the suspension done at the beginning of the year? Why would the league wait until the halfway point? Help me out on that. Uh, Due process is what they call it. Um, doing the investigative work, talking to all the people. Four seems extremely long. I know he was arrested three times. Um, Four seems extremely long, but as the league has clarified, this isn't necessarily about the arrest or the judification. It's about how you've made the league look, um, the embarrassing nature. I would think that Mark Walton basically nearly jeopardizing his entire career was punishment enough. He got a second chance, but clearly they felt like it wasn't and have, have done what they needed to do to punish him. And I I always wondered if a punishment was coming and I I knew it wasn't going to be at the beginning of the season, but this is, this is definitely a surprise. And, And there was a certain point where the team thought and felt like they were out of the, you know, out of, out of the realm of, punishment but clearly they were wrong could Walton appeal it's no, not an appeal process so. three arrests in the offseason no, you're no, lucky no. to be playing just the four games I'm talking about the four oh. games to make to make it two I'm not saying I didn't do it I'm appealing this because I didn't do it he obviously got arrested but I figure all these times every time somebody gets suspended there's always an appeal process I just figured maybe he'd yeah, be able to do that I think maybe we were maybe the delay is because of the appeals process gotcha. I don't know for certain but th- this has been something ongoing after he pled out on all his charges and and really he's like got community service for for all the three charges. Mark Wallen has a real, real interesting and colorful relationship with police. Basically, he did the crime. He's got to do the time. And four games punishment is his real punishment for all for all the incidents. Been a hell of a bounce back to think that he'd be starting with uh, all the yeah. talk of Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake, and mm-hmm. here he was going, "Hey, I'm playing the best guy," and I and I think Mark Walton's the best guy. I, I mean. Uh, he, I thought he might yeah. be out. Whatever was going on in his personal life, to have three arrests in offseason, I mean, you're like, holy smokes, he might be out of the league. So it's been a hell of a comeback for him. Hey, by the way, Definitely. Preston Williams looks like he's got a chance. I mean, he can come back and get healthy and he's, you know, get through this this uh, rehab it and, and, uh, and just really stay focused. He's got a chance to... How good can this guy be before I – I think he's got a chance to be real good. I definitely think he's got a chance to be real good. I'm not necessarily thinking Pro Bowl Jarvis Landry level, but I think he's a very good player. The, the main thing that you really have to concern yourself with him is maturity. Um, that was something following him from high school to college to the pros. Even, uh, you know, Brian Flores, when he talked about his injury last year, you know, the emphasis was, okay, hopefully we use this as an opportunity to mature and become more serious because, you know, this kid is super talented. If he if he didn't have such so many character issues, uh, he probably would have been a maybe second day draft pick. I don't think he's a first round talent, but definitely a second day draft pick. I think he has just as much talent as Devonte Parker. They they have both been playing very well, and I think that they both have a future here with the Dolphins. They they fit this offense and what these coaches want to do. Uh, the question is, will he come back and 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 play at the same level that he left? And we see with Albert Wilson that there's no guarantee on that. And so hopefully. 
he has a good rehab. Hopefully he, he uses this to motivate him and get back to where he once was and isn't just satisfied with being an NFL player. All right, for the 50% club, I like to call that the 50% that were happy with the win and the 50% that were not happy with the win on Sunday. The win over Gase, uh, the win over Gase has to be something yes. that Stephen Ross was happy about, correct? I guess so. Uh, you know, I, I am I am in what, what I call the um, the tank club, and, you, you know, you just really jeopardized and you you're you're going to put yourself because they're playing too well right now and i know they've got they just lost two starters but really it's about the quarterback and the offensive line the offensive line is playing better they probably can get daniel kilgore back allow evan evan to go to play right guard that should be the stabilizing piece and then davenport might come back that could help you in in another end because it might allow jesse davis to move return to right guard so to me this season started falling apart because the offensive line was discombobulated. They're starting to get it together. Ryan Fitzpatrick has got a 96 quarterback rating since he returned as a starter, replacing Josh Rosen in the fourth quarter of the Washington game. To me, all of those factors show you that, hey, we can get to the point where we can score 21 points. And if they can do that, then they can win games. And, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm not they sure they're done winning games this season. Well, it, it's an interesting one. I brought it up because I, I do. I, the players, as you know, and I think the one thing you and I can agree on is players and coaches want to win for sure. Oh, absolutely. We, no we have sold the fans on what we've seen with all these draft picks that it's about losing, so they a lot of them want to lose. Let me ask you about the other group. Like, tell me about Chris Greer and those guys. Where are they right now? What do you think deep inside? Not not a celebration after the game and congrats, Coach Flores, to you and your staff. How are they really feeling in that front office? I cannot speak for them for certain, um, but I'm sure they knew it was going to be a, a, a lot of sabotaging was going to have to be done to beat the Bengals because the Bengals are bad, and I'm not sure they're, they, they'll get a win this season. They're bad. They're poorly coached. Uh, they're starting a rookie quarterback. Maybe he trends upwards, but we know how rookies play. It's hard to go 0-16, so a little bit of extra effort has to be put in to be strategically bad. Um, I think the Dolphins have done that extra effort, and, and they've gone as far as they can go. Maybe maybe you have to start Josh Rosen again, but I don't think that that's the goal I don't think, I'm not sure that that's the vision anymore because they're starting to see progress. They're starting to see improvement. Brian Flores is here for the long haul, so you got to get players to buy into what he's doing. This team has deficiencies. They have clear, obvious deficiencies, but they're at the point now where we've reached the third quarter of the season, and this is when they can start to get momentum before the injuries take, take over. What people don't realize is injuries take over in December, and that's when the cream rises to the top and, and everybody else with a bad roster or they, they just fall down. I expect the Dolphins to fall down in December. The question is how well can they play in the third quarter of the season, and I think this is when they'll start to trend upwards. What happens to Josh Rosen this year, as you just mentioned, uh-huh. and, and for, for next year? What do you predict will happen? Uh, I predict if somebody wants him, they'll come trade him. I don't think he has a future here as a starter for the Dolphins. I think he's fine being a backup, and they're fine with him being a backup. I, I, I hope he's the number three quarterback because no matter what, I want Ryan Fitzpatrick here next year. Because I, I do believe he has a great future as a coach, and I want him here coaching whoever is 
the coaching up whoever is going to be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And truth be told, if you, I, I am a firm believer that if you do not love a quarterback, you do not select them. So I'm not, I'm not comfortable with Miami drafting one of the leftover quarterbacks if they aren't in love with that player. Because I don't want to end up with a Sam Darnold or a Josh Rosen. Um, yeah, I, I want somebody who I love. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I right now. I, the Dolphins are slotted as a 14 to select in the draft. At that point, you're going to miss out on probably both of the top two quarterbacks. You're going to miss out on the best pass rusher. At that point, it's like, oh, okay, do we want a leftover quarterback? And and that's a decision. Maybe a Jalen Hurts, uh, maybe a, a, a Fromm, maybe a Herbert, you know, and do you love them? To me, the answer is no. Yeah, but Omar, what if they don't love two as, mu- as much as you do? What if the team right if now they don't privately love two as much as I do? Yeah, what mm-hmm. if they don't? Because okay. you love them. You got a two across. I love them. Yeah, no question. And, and with, I uh, believe Omar. that they had a. I believe that they had a tool crush because this plan was conceived long before the season was over, and it wasn't conceived for Herbert or for uh, Fromm or for uh, Hurt. I, I know who it was conceived for. So to execute this plan properly, you got to go get that guy. To me, I trade three first-round picks for Tua. I wouldn't even bat an eye for it. Cincinnati, you want three first-round picks? If they say yeah, we got a deal. I'll probably even throw in my second because ultimately, you know, you give up three first-round picks and a second-round pick for Tua. I, Joe, that's how if, that, if, that's if how everybody gets fired, and and an owner sells his team if that doesn't work. Okay, well, here, here's, that's ridiculous. Here's, here's man. My, here's can't my, give up that much okay. with all the needs they have at every position. That, that that's crazy, okay. Omar. That's now a, you're that, getting crazy. You know, you know what that is? You know what that is, Joe? That's giving up Devontae Parker, Charles Harris, and um, I'll throw in uh, Minka Fitzpatrick just to be good, and then a Mike Gesicki. Too much for a good quarterback? Too much for Russell Wilson? Yeah, you, you can't give up. You're talking about you. You talked about a guy we whiffed on, a guy that. Uh, and two guys that are playing better. So I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. You got needs everywhere on this team. Well, well you think yeah. Tua's going to have success without anything else when you give up all your high picks? You got a hundred and what twenty million dollars in cap space. You'll you'll have plenty of opportunity to to add talent to this team. Remember, you purposely made this team this bad. Now you could easily undo it by actually spending a little bit of money. And you know you got 14 draft picks. How many draft picks do you need? I don't know, you, but you, you want to give up all the high picks. I'm not giving up three Joe. ones and a two. And by the way, if our general manager did that, I I'd, I would call Stephen Ross in New York and Tom Garfinkel and mm-hmm. ask for a, for a meeting with all of them going, what the F are you doing? But other side of the spectrum, okay. what if two is a superstar? My, He's worth My a question lot. is, would you give up three ones and a two three, if he becomes a, a franchise up, guy? Does anybody you, really think two is clearly better than the other couple of guys? Is anybody sold Absolutely. by what they've seen? Absolutely. Absolutely. No question. Um, let me ask you this question, Joe. Would you give up three first-round picks for Russell Wilson right now? Seattle offered to trade him? Uh, right now? No, it's still too much. I ain't giving up three ones, man. Three ones and a two? Three ones and a two? Right. What about no, that? and by what the way, I think, Ru- and I think right? Russell Wilson is the MVP of the season. So, I mean, I'm all in on Russell, but damn. You know, I-, I mean, but you wouldn't give up three first-round picks for Russell, right? No, right? No. Not what you just said? That's what I said. No? I ain't giving up three okay, ones. Okay, well, you like two. you like being eight and eight, then. No, I like you hitting like on draft picks. I like hitting and, 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 and how, like how hitting on draft picks. That, Joe? How often do they do that, Joe? This is the year. How <laughs> this is the year. Do that, well, this is the first time they we've ever had this many what? high picks. We Joe, can't screw Joe, them all you know up. When they hit on, you, you know when they hit on draft picks? When they draft an offensive lineman in the first round. Only time. Only time for this franchise. Hit on first-round draft picks. Offensive lineman. 
Look it up. So you're Look telling me up, we got all these picks and you want to go three ones in our and what will probably be the 33rd to 36th pick in the second round. Take them all and give us Tua. <laughs> Not me. me. Question. What would you give not up? me. Would you give up some, would you give up three for Patrick Mahomes right now, Joe? I, I'm Ooh. just not giving up three ones for anybody. Joe, they're insignificant. Picks are pick, well, uh, we have this argument but, all the time. But if there who was the somebody it would be it would probably be Mahomes. Joe, <laughs> who is who is the best player in this draft class, Joe? Who is the best player in this rookie class of players? An undrafted player, Preston Williams. Draft picks don't mean nothing, Joe. By the way, not a thing. And the Dolphins shouldn't be proud of that right now. Even though Wilkins played a little bit better and Dieter, yeah, up and down. But but you're right. It shouldn't even. You're right. We shouldn't be talking. Draft picks do not matter. What what matters? What? Being able to don't go back to that topic. Draft picks don't matter. The ones and twos. Charles Harris. Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, who's playing better, by the way. Props to him. Yeah, so Traffic take him out of that matter, list Joe. right now. Take that back. Uh, uh, we, we're, we're putting him immediately in the win in the hits category. Well, he's One good playing, game where he's in the hits. He's been playing better. Come he's on. been playing better. He, hey, and, and you're right. The coaching was horrible. I didn't know how bad he oh, was no, being coached. It was bad. He, a- like, literally, this guy is – getting off the line. He was slow as molasses last year. I don't know what the hell these coaches, and we're going to talk to the assistants today. That tight end coach, he's the number one guy I want to go to because he's doing a phenomenal job. Because Mike is is getting open. He's finding finding spots. He looks quick coming out of his breaks. Yeah, no, he looks great quick. He's running good routes. He's not shying away from contact. They made him a football player. And that, to me, best coaching job of the season. Hey, Omar, real quickly. Now, listen, I, I am going to give you credit before I say this. You're right about rookie free agent being the best of this draft class. I agree, and it, it goes to your argument that you always have. But in reality, the reason we have the draft set up the way it is, you got to hit on mm-hmm. ones, yeah. man. You got to hit on ones mm-hmm. and twos. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't want to argue and with you, but that's just... They, the only time they hit on ones, Joe, is when they draft offensive linemen. Look it up. Two decades only hit offensive line. Well, that's why we're in this mess now. I I agree with you. Uh, We're in this mess of what doing what we have to do because we can't figure it out with the Jeff Irelands and everybody else that we've had. That's not why you're. That's not why why you're in this mess. Coaches, system, investing in bad quarterbacks. Bad quarterbacks, Joe. Fix the quarterback. It'll fix a lot of things. I always say this to people. The most talented Dolphins team I ever covered was the 2011 team. If you look up that roster, it was loaded with talent. It just had a bad quarterback on it. And and they also were, were slow installing offense because they because of, because of the lockout. But you know what? We, we don't have, I, I don't have time to get into all that because now you're saying blocking doesn't matter. And you're saying tackling doesn't matter. and Playmakers don't matter. You're just saying everything's about the quarterback. No. Which, by the way, the quarterback, no, the quarterback is, is the important. engine that makes the, that makes it go. Now you got to have tires, you got to have a muffler, you got to have everything. You got to have an axle, but you know what? The engine ain't going the car ain't going nowhere without the engine, Joe, and that's where this franchise has been for two decades. No engine. I'm not totally disagreeing with some of your points, Omar. I'm doing better, but you are stubborn on this Tua thing. All right, man, we got to let you go. Omar, thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you, Omar. Tua for three. Yeah, Joe. I know. Tua, Tua for, three. for three and a and two. A, and a two. Yeah, yeah a two. we heard what you said. Joe and Omar getting into it early in the morning. I like it. 
Of course, you can download the podcast for The Joe Rose Show, this show, or any of the shows that you hear on this radio station for free wherever you get your podcasts, the radio.com app, or at our website, wqam.com. Up next, I got some free Dan Lebitard for you. And oh, yeah, they're making you feel good with the useless sound montage. It's the best of The Joe Show. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Thanks for joining us once again. Dan Lebitard, he does his thing on this radio station from 10 to 1 weekdays. What were they doing earlier today over there in South Beach? Real simple. They had Greg Cody in talking, did the Dolphins mess up tanking? We have to come to an age of bad wins. Yes, I never thought I'd hear that. It was a bad win, meaning it hurt your chances to get a better draft. Oh, goodness. I don't even want to talk about it. But you'll feel good when you hear the useless sound montage. Greg uh, has been covering the Dolphins down here in South Florida for how many years now? How many decades? Let's just do uh, it. I, I go all the way back to uh, Marino. Okay. So since the 80s. Since the 80s. So uh, yesterday we talked a lot about the Dolphin Jet game. What were your thoughts there? Because I maintain that's a terrible... Uh, listen, I know Dolphin fans and... and Lord knows they have not stopped texting me. Hey, we'll take the second pick in the draft if it means we can beat the Jets. Okay, but the Jets might get the first pick in the draft. And both teams, the Dolphins and the Jets, still have to play the Cincinnati Bengals. So all of this is going to be interesting yeah. down the stretch. In fact, I think it's more fascinating than the playoffs, okay? <laughs> uh, but what were your thoughts? Because is that a good win for the Dolphins? Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, you know, my, my thing is the Dolphins don't need the number one pick necessarily. They need a pick high enough to get... The grand prize, who I, I still believe for them is Tua Tagovailoa, the right. Alabama quarterback. But are you saying they have enough first round picks? They have collected enough picks, assets, where whoever gets that first round pick, they could give enough to, to move up to get it? Yeah. I mean, even the, the Bengals though, who would probably want Tua? Well, that, that's an interesting point because uh, as you know, the Bengals just benched Andy Dalton and they're starting Ryan Finley. Essentially, they're giving Finley half a season to prove to them whether or not he's the guy whether or not they need to draft a quarterback. So that's uh, really the wild card in this whole thing is how Ryan Finley plays over the ne next couple of months for Cincinnati. But the Dolphins have three chances to get Tua. Uh, they can get the number one overall draft pick. They can get a top three or four pick and hope that nobody above them needs a quarterback that badly. Uh, or they can use all of their draft capital uh, to, to trade up. So among all those three options, I still think there's a great chance that they're going to wind up with who they want. And and that's what I wrote about in, in my column today, if, if anybody wants to go go online and read it. Nice plug. Thank you. Good job. Pretty idea. subtle, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. But no, so, so I think it was a good win. You know, they, and, and I tell you, man, when, when you're I, in that. You can't have a good win when it's your first win of the season, nine weeks into the season. I mean, well, it can't be a good win. It, it was a good win. They needed it. That team needed it. Roy, Roy was in the post game locker room with me. I mean, that was the first time all season that we've heard music in the locker room and they were genuinely happy to win. You know, the, the franchise is tanking by trading away all those players for top picks. But the, the players and the coaches aren't tanking. Those guys, to a man, uh, were thrilled uh, with what happened Sunday. I would say it's a good win for the guys in that locker room. Right. For yes. the team, for the organization. And I don't know why fans continue to get mad at me. Listen, as long as the NFL legislates, hey, if you're bad, you can get good pretty quickly. Those are bad wins for the organization. I know Brian Flores wants to get a win. I know the players in that locker room want to get a win. But that is a horrible win for the future of the organization. You had the greatest percentage chance of landing the number one pick in the NFL draft 
And the only way to get better in this league is to get one of those quarterbacks. And certainly choosing at number one gives you a better percentage chance of getting that type of quarterback. And they won a meaningless game against the New York Jets. I mean, I blasted the Jets yesterday, but I finished it by saying that's a really good loss. Now, fans continue to get upset at me for this take. Like, listen, I reach a point every year. I've been doing it for 40 years with the Jets where I'm just like, hey, lose every game the remainder of the season. And I think Dolphin fans have arrived at that point. I think your opinion is shared, but I think your opinion is the minority opinion. I think a majority of Dolphin fans would have preferred the Dolphins lose that game. Well, what I wrote was that it wasn't a particularly costly uh, win for Miami uh, for reasons that I pointed out. And and for what it's worth, uh, ESPN's FPI power index still projects Miami with the best chance to get the number one pick, even after that win, at 34% and change compared to Cincinnati's 30%, for what that's worth. So I still think the Dolphins, you know, to me, the best of both worlds is if the Dolphins are bad enough to get uh, the number one pick or at least top three, but good enough where you're not going the entire season being embarrassed like you were after those first two or three games right. when they were losing Epically, they were losing to historic degrees. Since then, they've been better. They've been uh, regular bad instead of historically bad. And the past few games, they've been very competitive. So, you know, I, I predicted they were going to beat the Jets Sunday. It didn't surprise me because Miami's been playing much better uh, ever since, like, the fourth or fifth week of the season. We're 6-2 and two, uh, with a lot of games to play. It's good to be 500 at the turn like we talked about, uh, given where we've come from. These first eight games do not matter. It's not where we want to be, but it's where we are, and that's who our record is. So we have to own that. It was awesome. It was wonderful. I love the lights. Huh? How good? Are, how cool are the lights? They have so many like chirpings, right? Yeah. It's like an aviary over there. For me, it's about speaking the same language and talking the same language to the team. And watching him, you, you always know he's a pro. But I mean, he's even been better than expected. You know, every single game we try to go out there and win, put our best foot forward, and just didn't today. We took it one play at a time. We're building a team, and uh, I like some of the blocks that we got in place. I'm going to leave it at that. I really treat it as 16 separate entities, and if you put four together, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, we got to come out and you know, just do our jobs. You know, just one game, take it one game at a time. For me, it's it's just doing my part, showing up and holding myself accountable to my teammates and doing my job and doing it at the best of, best of my ability. You know, he's come in here, he's a good guy, he's a quiet guy, he works hard. He's a good learner. Yeah, I think from week to week I've, I've gotten better in some areas and I haven't in others. It was a really big win for us, but every win is a big win. In our current state, you know, every game is huge. It's a 60-minute game, and obviously we want to start fast and you want to play well in the middle and then finish strong. I will say this. It's no consolation prize, but the guys fought till the end. You want to be a good team, you got to beat a good team. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. They are 60 minutes of hell. We're being challenged right now. It's not easy. We, we hate it. It sucks, but it is what it is. Some horses start fast, some start slow. But the thoroughbreds great at the final pole. You know, it's great to get a win versus a winning team. That team had been in a bunch of close games and it won a lot of them. When you have a team like that, when you have, you face adversity, um, it's water down the duck's back. He's kind of the head of the snake. He can do everything that you ask of him on the field. His intangibles off the field, the leadership, the determination, the drive to be great, um, the leadership once again. Gosh, you know, everyone is key. You know, it's humbling. It's humbling for the defense. We need to be humble. That was a humbling game. Yeah, this was a, this is a good uh, slice of humble pie for us. Remain humble and hungry. That's really what Buffalo's about, in my opinion, since moving here. Two-plus years, man, this, this place is a humble city, humble town. 
that's hungry. It's not about the results. It's never about the results. You know, it's about the process. It's about doing things right. It's about playing right. It's not about the results. The results going to be what they are. You know what I mean? You know, most of the people saying this stuff are just, you know, people. We knew that they would throw and catch the ball. We knew they could do that. It's about the process. It's about executing the way you're supposed to. It's about doing your job repeatedly, like with robotic consistency. The results will be what they will be. You know, sometimes you'll win, sometimes you'll lose. If you do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, how you're supposed to do it, you'll have the results you want. The glass is always full because just because it's maybe full, half full of water, it's still full with air. So we got to keep that glass full. We got to keep a chip on our shoulder and we got to find a way to get a win. Amazing. <laughs> just amazing. Billy, you undersold it. That, I think that was the strongest of the year. Really good. Super. Did you speed Richard Sherman up? No. Seems like everybody's favorite. The useless sound montage. Coach talk, player talk, good talk. Dan Lebetard, once again, you can hear he and the guys and girls talking weekdays from 10 to 1 right here on 560 The Joe. Up next, guy that knows how to talk, Stephen A. Smith, talking about that Monday night football and the New York state of mind when it comes to football. The Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to The Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day. Important day in history when it comes to sports. The Saints from my hometown of New Orleans, got their first victory ever, 31-24 over the Eagles in 1967. Of course, Saints won their only Super Bowl right here in Miami. The Super Bowl is in Miami this year. Huh? Uh, a man can dream. Let's keep the Miami theme going. The first Heat game at Miami Arena ever was on this day in 1988 where the Heat lost to the Clippers. Can you believe 31 years ago? Triple A seems like it is still brand new. Absolutely love it. More Miami links. Derek Jeter, owner of the Marlins, was named AL Rookie of the Year on this day back in 1996. I want to send a big birthday wish out to my man, Odell Beckham Jr. I'm an LSU alum. He's an LSU alum. He is 27 years old today, and hopefully we'll do some crazy stuff on and off the field very soon. Been kind of a down year for the brands, but what can you say? Speaking of down year, Stephen A. Smith talking about last night's Monday night football game and how down the Giants and Jets are. He says they're done. Fire the coaches. The black cat that ran across the field last night, was it a blessing or a curse? And Antonio Brown to Philly? New York Giants lost this game 37-18, courtesy of a relatively stellar performance from Ezekiel Elliott, who rushed for 139 yards. Obviously, Dallas's defense made some noise, limiting Danny Dimes to 26 of uh, uh, 41 for 210 yards. Sacked five times, by the way. Giants didn't record a single sack. Saquon Barkley, uh, without question, his most anemic performance as a Giant, just 14, just 28 yards on 14 carries. New York Giants are done. As far as I'm concerned, the only difference between the New York Jets and the New York Giants is I have no problem with Pat Shermer finishing the season before he goes as the head coach of this franchise because he never should have been a head coach to begin with. And in the case of Adam Gase, he should be gone today. Adam Gase should be gone today. Pat Shermer, you can wait till the rest of the season is over. But the New York, the New York Giants and the New York Jets, the two teams playing in East Rutherford, New Jersey, with New York as their backdrop, representing the city of New York as a football franchise. Both of those franchises need new head coaches. Pat Shermer, simply because he's not productive enough, the results just aren't there, nothing personal. Adam Gase, because he should have never been the, head, the, the damn head coach to begin with. He showed up to his introductory press conference as a head coach. Ha! As far as I'm concerned, ha! That's right, I said it. I don't know whether it was on Mountain Dew or something like that, but he wasn't sober. 
Tell what's wrong with that, brother. Y'all can go up ahead and show that footage right here on ESPN News if you want to. It's undeniable. Mike McCagnum was looking at him like he was lost. Christopher Johnson wouldn't look at him at all. Adam Gase looked high when he showed up for that press conference to introduce him as the new head coach for the New York Jets. Should never been a head coach. Didn't do a good enough job in Miami. Didn't do anything to deserve it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Should have never been a head coach. Shouldn't be the head coach now. Sam Donald regressed before our eyes. It's just that simple. New York, the media capital of the world, Gotham City, the largest metropolis in the States, can't find a productive head coach to save their damn life. At least with these two. Just call it what it is. Meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys are atop the NFC East. I recognize this. They're only a half game ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. I I recognize that. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys with Elliott, with Prescott, with Witten, who had eight receptions, our former colleague here at ESPN on Monday Night Football, I'm very, very happy for him. He seems very, very happy with the Dallas Cowboys right now. And they're winning football games more than they're losing it. So give credit where credit is due. Even though Dak Prescott threw an interception on his first pass, even though Randall Cobb fumbled the football, even though there were some problems, they still got it done because they were going up against the hapless Giants. That's why. Got a rookie out there in your secondary going up against Amari Cooper. Everybody else playing zone. This one rookie. Everybody else playing man. I'm sorry. This one rookie's playing zone. Doesn't know his assignment. Misses it. Amari catches a pass on a slant pattern, scampers in for about 47 yards for a touchdown. They outscored the New York Giants about 34-9 to from the time the Black Cat showed up in the second quarter, and you got what you got. And I know some of you out there looking at the Dallas Cowboys and saying, hey, they a contender. Sure, I guess you can look at it that way. I'm not giving them those props. I believe New Orleans is better. I believe Green Bay is better. I believe San Francisco is better. I believe Seattle is better. If you want to call the fifth best team a title contender, why don't you just say anybody who makes the playoffs is a title contender because that's how I view the Dallas Cowboys. I don't even know if they're going to win a division. If I'm being honest with you, I don't even know if they're going to win a division. Right now, they are the better team. Last time we saw them face-to-face against the Philadelphia Eagles, they stomped them, which brings me to my next point. News came down yesterday that Deshaun Jackson re-injured his abdomen. He was telling the truth to confidants that his injury was far more serious than realized, far more serious than the Eagles were willing to admit, far more serious than the Eagles were willing to accept. They put him back out on that football field. After one drive, one catch, he re-injured it. Now he's out for the rest of the regular season at the very least. That is definitely a problem. Which brings me to my next point, which is very, very unpopular. The Philadelphia Eagles should think about going after Antonio Brown. That's right, I said it. I want to make sure I couch this correctly. Because I don't want anybody out there thinking for one second that I'm okay with domestic violence or anything like that. Hell no. But the point of the matter is, then the league should ban him from the league. Commissioner's exempt list, suspension, whatever it is. It's still... A situation where whoever picks him up means that he still might be subjected to a suspension or being placed on the commissioner's list. So going after pursuing Antonio Brown may be for naught. I get that. I'm only talking about football. As a person, everything he seems to have gotten himself involved in, because we don't know all the facts. We don't know what happened with Pittsburgh. We don't know what happened with Oakland. I just know he's looked like an absolute clown. And then when he got to New England and Bill Belichick and Bart, Rob Kraft, Robert Kraft and those boys told him to quiet down, pipe down, don't say anything, just play football. This idiot goes and texts a woman with threatening texts. Damn it, he don't deserve to be in the league. But if you are the commissioner in the NFL and you haven't made that call, 
And you're Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. And you're watching, watching Nelson Aguilar drop passes. And you're watching Alshon Jeffrey drop passes. And you're watching the Philadelphia Eagles seem incapable of catching passes. And you're only a half game back in the NFC East with the likelihood of the wild card not coming out of that division. And you know you gotta make the playoffs. And you're in a position to up in the Dallas Cowboys. You do what you can. You do what you can. You ain't signing this brother to a long-term deal. You're not making any kind of investment in him. You don't trust him because he hasn't earned anybody's trust. A matter of fact, he's devoid of any trust. We don't even know if he doesn't have a screw loose. I got people walking around telling me they thinking he's suffering from CTE and just doesn't know it and hasn't been diagnosed with it yet. I don't know. I'm only talking about football. The Eagles need a receiver bad. They need it bad. Real bad. Because these brothers can't catch the damn ball. I've counted at least 15 drops this season, y'all. Whiteside, Aguilar, Jeffries, whatever. I've counted at least 15 drops. I ain't never seen anything like this. I'm serious. The Eagles should think about cheating by attaching crazy glue to their palms or gloves or Velcro or something. They need assistance. These brothers can't catch on a consistent basis. Doesn't make any sense. Too many drops. Carson Wentz only got four interceptions on the year. Carson Wentz got about 14 touchdowns on the year. I predict for you he'd have about five or six more if they didn't drop the ball so damn much. So if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I consider anything. Desperate times call for desperate message. I want to get back to the Super Bowl, do what I can. I'm not condoning a single damn thing about Antonio Brown. What I am saying is, is that he shouldn't be allowed to play football until his house gets in order and he suffers the repercussions and ramifications of his actions. But if the commissioner is not going to put him on an exempt list and a commissioner in the National Football League is not going to suspend him and you know that he's available for the other 31 teams in the league, my God, what if the Dallas Cowboys went out and got him? What if Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers went out and got him? What if Seattle decided, guess what? There's a relapse involving Josh Gordon. Well, he's not going to work out. So maybe we're going to take a chance on Antonio Brown. Where would that leave the Eagles then? You got to think about what the competition might grab. You got to pay attention to that. And all I'm saying is, when you consider those potential obstacles for the Philadelphia Eagles, you got to take everything into consideration. You got to look at it for what it is and operate accordingly. Should be interesting to see how the rest of this NFL season plays out. Like I said, I am hoping that the New Orleans Saints make it to the Super Bowl here in Miami. My apartment will become a flop house. It'll be French Quarter South. It'll be a whole lot of fun. Good Cajun people in South Beach in Miami. That'll always make it fun. And we always have fun from 6 to 7 weekdays right here on 560 The Joe with the best of The Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station. If you want to relive the fun, all you have to do, download the podcast for absolutely free at our website, wqam.com, the radio.com app, or wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free. Tomorrow night, we'll be back getting you over the hump with a Hawkman hump day, so we'll have some Hawkman and Crowder on the best of The Joe Show. Later, slug. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.